Good morning, FCC. How are we doing today? Awesome, awesome. So glad to be here with you, man. And how amazing was it to have Eric here with us, uh, worshiping with us from Mountain Man. Aren't we thankful for him? Yeah. It's a, it's a big value of mine to be partnered with local churches around us. Um, it's a big value of mine that when we think of and we speak of and we pray for the churches that are surrounding us, they're trying to go and make Jesus famous here in our community to help change lives and for people to experience the good news of Jesus. If you are chasing after that, then we are for you. And so we are for Mountain. We are for community. We are for freedom. We are for these churches surrounding us that love Jesus and want to make him famous here in our community. Uh, So I'm super thankful that you guys got to uh, join with us today to worship alongside of Eric. And I'm so thankful for their partnership with us uh, from the 18 hundreds till today. Uh, They are still brothers and sisters in Christ. We're so thankful for them. You know, this whole series that we've been chasing after, this just one series, the the idea and thought of this entire series has been surrounded around the idea of the way in which Jesus is accomplishing his purposes here on earth. That, That Jesus, though he would speak in front of thousands of people, that many times within ministry, he showed us that it would take the time to meet with just one. And that We may be a church who chases after the billions of people across the globe, but we do it one at a time. We do it just one at a time. And so through the series, we've been talking about prayerfully identifying who it is that God has placed in and around our life that he is calling for us to reach out to, to wreck the roof for, to get them to the feet of Jesus. Because we know that what Jesus did and accomplished on the cross for us is worth expressing and worth helping others know as well. And then last week we talked about thoughtfully inviting, to to consider your words, to consider your approach in how you would talk to someone and share with them the good news of Jesus. And today we take it one step further. Today we talk about in this process of prayerfully identifying the person to thoughtfully inviting that person to a relationship with Jesus and with the church of what it looks like to personally include that person into your circle. What does it look like to personally include them in your circle? I was um, encouraged a few minutes ago, I was in the lobby and uh, a lady stopped by and just wanted to share with me that her uh, just one had, uh, had come into town and uh, that she didn't know it was her just one, but God spoke to her and prompted her to engage in a conversation with someone she loves deeply. And that God is moving in that relationship right now. And many times it's the way people it is. It's like there's a, a distance. For them, it was a distance of, of literal land's mass. Like they're from, the friend was from another state and coming into town. And so for some of us, though, it's not necessarily the distance on a map. Sometimes it's a distance relationally. Sometimes it's a distance with us personally. In fact, for many of us, we might be in a room right now. We may feel like, we're, hey, we're in this room right now. But if you are honest, you go, I feel lonely. But like, even though you might be like, COVID is at a new season now, but like, maybe you were, you know, isolated for a really long time through that period of time, and then you felt really lonely then. And you thought, well, maybe when we get back together, that's when I'll stop feeling lonely. But then you come together with people, and you still feel isolated. You still feel like this is, that you're all alone. Self or social isolation, this feeling of being alone, this feeling of not having a community of people that you are in relationship and walking with, uh, this, this reality is actually 
uh, not good for you. In fact, God designed us to not be alone. And that's the value of this personally included idea. In fact, I want to show you some stuff within uh, this. There's several uh, multiple health organizations that all affirm this, but uh, this one's American Institute of Stress reported some of the following findings. But uh, check this out. So when it comes to social isolation, um, the effects it has on an individual and the way in which God wired us and designed us to be in love and in community, this is what happens if you don't have that. If someone is uh, socially isolated, lonely for extended periods of time, there is a 50 percent increased risk of dementia. There's a uh, more, I mean, think about 50% increase. That's, that's a lot of an increase to say, if you don't have a relationship, if you don't have a close circle, this is a type of thing that helps, that, that affects your mental state of being. 29% increased risk of heart, heart disease. 32% increased risk of a stroke. 68% increased risk of hospitalization a 57% increased risk of ER visits. Uh, Higher rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide reported all among this group, and four times increased risk of death. I was uh, listening to a guy talking about this uh, isolation. He said, listen, if you look at these statistics, you may be thinking it's something of someone taking an abusive drug of some sort. He was like, even if you look at just something that's very simple like cigarettes, you'd say, you know, cigarettes can cause some of these damage and increase risk of things. He was like, but goodness gracious, if you're going to smoke, do it together, right? Well, I'm not saying you should, but if you're going to. Do it with friends, right? Because it's like, man, if you add that to this, it's like, it's really not good for you. Now, don't go home and be like, you know what our pastor said? Don't, no, I'm not. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, listen, this is bad for you. Like, if, if you're talking about social isolation, if you feel lonely today, if you don't have a circle of people that know you and love you, that's a problem. That's not good. I mean, this is part of this idea of the just one movement. Like, this is like, there's people out there today that feel that way. And maybe if it's not you, it's somebody near you that they don't feel known. They don't feel included. They don't feel loved. And they are at risk within their health. And what we see is within God's word, we see that God never meant for it to be that way from the very beginning. And if you remember this passage in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now, this is Adam and Eve, and context is talking about, and a lot of times it's used within the framework of marriage, that Adam was here, um, just him, alone, in silence, in the woods, with animals. And some of y'all are like, why did he screw that up? Like, why? That was, dude, you had it. But, but what we know is that it's, it's not good. It's not good for you just to be left in isolation, alone. And God was saying, listen, you were never designed to be that way. And a lot of us think and have thought or have said or heard people say things like, it's just me and God. This is just a relationship between me and him. I don't need people. I can just watch online. I can just do these things, just me alone. And I can just live life that way. And God's going, that was never the design. That was never the intent. It is not good for man to be alone. That, that, that is not the purpose and the plan. And so let me start out with this question today. Are you known and loved? Do you feel lonely? Are you known and loved? And I ask it for a specific reason. I ask it in that way because uh, this, this big question idea of, of wondering if you are known and loved is because I believe the two of those are directly result to each other. 
being known and loved. Like, I, I love you. And, and there's different levels of loving people that even if you don't know them yet, you can still love them. You can love your enemy. There's different levels in the ways in which love can be applied, but fully known and fully loved is the big part. And this is the big idea. Are you personally including just one into your life to where they can be fully known and fully loved? See, there's, there's this, this big challenge for people that, that if we're honest with one another, that if you, are, if you are feeling like you are not fully known, like you're hiding things from your past, if you're hiding things from your, your, the people that are closest to you, if you are pretending and pretending and pretending that things are just fine and they're really not, or, or maybe that you are pretending that you are something that you're not, and they're going, well, I love that about you, and then you just continue pretending that that's who you are and it's really not true. That deep within you, you're going, you don't really love me. You just love the version of me that I'm pretending right now to have. And, and we have to war against that. I, I believe that we have to be asking deeper questions than that, bigger questions than that, questions that will apply like there's people right now around us, near us, that this just one are they in your circle? Have you put them into your relationship circle? Are they with your friends? And let me ask it to you this way. Are you willing to know and be known, love and be loved? In other words, is your circle open or closed? Is your relational circle open or closed? You know, for some of us, we've, we've found our group. We've got the people that we hang with, right? Our close group. And that's a beautiful and good thing. And I'm thankful that you are not lonely and you feel known and loved. But we as a people who are on mission for God, for the glory of God, for his purposes to help people known and be known and be loved, to know his holy name, to know who he is, we have to take those that we are personally inviting, that we are prayerfully identifying and thoughtfully inviting into a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with the church. We need to also open up our personal circle to personally include them into our daily lives. We see this, of, of all places, we see this in the New Testament extremely strong. In fact, the entire design of like, all right, maybe you're new to church, you're trying to figure this out, you're wondering, okay, why, why do we do this? Why do we get together? I mean, surely, goodness, you can find a better speaker online than me, right? Can we just be honest? Like, like you can find somebody that's more qualified, that knows more. You can find people that more qualified, knows more probably in this room, right? So you're like, why don't we listen to this guy? Like, that's a fair question. So like, like there's, there's a reality. It's like, man, if you're just coming to hear from a guy or, or you're coming just to hear some music, that, that you're missing the entire DNA and the point of the way in which the church was designed to be and that God is calling us to be as a community, that we're in this together. That this isn't just a, a one-man band. That this is something that together we are presenting an orchestra before the Lord. A, a way in which he had designed it to always be. And so let's, let me set the stage for you in, in Acts. So Jesus had died on the cross for you because he loves you. He defeated death, defeated the grave, and he rose again. He, he ascended from that point. He met with hundreds of people here on earth and, and uh, showed that he was the risen Messiah. And then he ascended into heaven, giving the great commission that we should all go and make disciples of all nations. Right? He gives us that great commission. And then the, verse, the passages of Acts is written by a physician named Luke, who's meticulous Luke. And, and he is writing through the Holy Spirit, guiding his words, uh, the historical account of the way in which God operated as a church. 
And so what happens is that Peter is this time of Pentecost, was this time where all these different uh, nations from around got together and they were, uh, they were there to uh, kind of uh, worship and there was this special feast and Passover type of time period. And when they were all together in this space, uh, Peter and the Holy Spirit uh, encountered them, moved through them, and then he was able to speak miraculously in the languages of people that were around him to where they could understand and hear the good news of Jesus. It was in a, a phenomenal moment, a moment that I was like, dude, I'd love to have been there. And like, I love to like be able to speak Mandarin, which would have been like cool. Like just in that moment, be like, bam, Mandarin Jesus. How about that? Like this is, it'd been awesome, right? I don't think that's improper. But anyway, so like, like I, I think that would be awesome. But like, so that takes place. And then he, he shares the good news. And then like people are turning by the masses to, to, to follow Jesus. And, and then we see as that's taking place and they repent and be baptized in his name that they are, are meeting in the temple courts, which we're going to talk about, and they meet in the upper rooms. Let me show you what happens here. In, in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 is what we're going to read together. All the believers, all these groups of people that are now believers in Jesus, they'd seen and heard of what Jesus had done. They were believers, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Okay, so their teachings is what we have is like the New Testament. All right, the apostles' teachings of who Jesus was, what he desired, what he did, and what it's for. They devoted themselves to this and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. I love that, including the Lord's Supper, which meant they ate because they like eating, right? This isn't like, well, we come together over the Baltimore Ravens game in this time of communion. No, no, no. We throwing down some grub. Hot wings, let's go. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this was like, we are, we are devoted to the Bible, and for fellowship, and throwing down some grub. I like that church, right? Let's keep going. And a prayer. I, don't, I did not mean to leave that out. And to prayer. That was the last part right there. So it was, it was a devoted group of people that went to the Lord in prayer. I didn't want to just be all the hot wings. Okay, so um, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Okay, Hundreds and hundreds of people, if not thousands by this point, all getting together in one place, starting to sound like church a little bit, right? And, and what did they do? They shared everything they had. You're like, you, I got you. Like, I love you. Like, what do you need? How can I help? We're in this. This is why we give. This is why we, we give to the Lord. This is why we tithe. This is why we give to ministries. That's why we have Choosing Hope out there. That's why we're going to be doing activities and events. That's why we care for one another. That's why we care for people who are struggling. This is it. This is, what, this is why. Hopefully it's starting to make sense a little bit about what we're doing here and how this all came to be as we continue. Verse 45 here. They, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. All right, this was at the temple. This, I'll show you in a second what, that, what I mean by that. They, they, they worshiped together at the temple each day, and then they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Notice that's the second time I mentioned food. All right, so that they shared their meals together with great joy and generosity. Okay, so here's something cool in this. I just, I love this aspect, okay? So, so you gotta get this, okay? So, so here in the church, there was two components that took place. There was multiple components of the way in which they treated one another, where they were selling things, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to prayer and to eating. And, and like that was all taking place. But then they were getting together in a singular location called the temple courts and in another location called the upper room in the homes. 
All right, let me show you what he was talking about. Okay, so first mega church. Over 10,000 people could meet in the temple courts. Take that mountain, right? First mega church, what's up, right? You know, kidding, love you, Eric, this is awesome. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like this was like everybody got together by the thousands to hear the good news of God spoken, the scrolls, the, the, the Bible was read out in this place. They were all united behind God's word. This is where they got together to get that. United together in the masses on purpose. But the way in which they practically chased after it, the way they were known, fully known, prayed for and loved, didn't just stop in the temple courts. They went to the upper room. There was just this small little space. Then there's small little homes. And these people that would meet by the hundreds and thousands in the temple courts, and then they met all the time there in the temple courts, but they didn't neglect the upper room. They didn't neglect because that was a part of the way in which God moved. That was a way in which God made things happen. That's the way in which God moved throughout the the New Testament. That's the way he moved was one at a time, in small groups at a time, in personal circles at a time, where they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to some good food, to communion of the Lord, and to prayer. That was taking place in what we call small group. And this is why, by the way, this church is so big that we are, if you're wondering, you're new here, you're like, oh, it's cool, a whole bunch of people get together. No, no, no. We're a whole bunch of small groups getting together in the temple courts to be on mission and unite together. And then in practical love and known, we go to our homes, devoted to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And through that accountability, we then move into our, our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, into our homes, one person at a time. That's, that's who we are. That's what this is all about. And I'm so excited about this thing. Guess what? The reason why this worked, the guy was like, this formula of the temple courts, <laughs> this get together, all of us together, united behind God's word, listening to that teaching, and then go in the temple courts and practically apply it to your lives and hold each other accountable, fully known, fully loved. Did that work? Yeah, it did. All the while this was going on, they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is God's idea. It wasn't like me and the group of elders were like, I got an idea. This is what we'll do. We'll just get together on Sundays. It'll be awesome. Football doesn't play on Sundays. Oh, wait, it does. Oh, never mind. It's too late. We'll just go ahead and do it. So like, that wasn't it. That wasn't like our idea. It was like God was saying, this is the way I want you to be. Why? Because by the way, if we don't have God, God's blessing, his spirit moving through us and through our words, we have no chance of making an impact in this world, okay? This isn't like a man-made design like, here's five steps to helping change the world. No, it is God saying, I am moving through you. I am moving through each one of you one at a time, and this is the way I want to change the world. This is it. This is the way it's going to happen. And since it's God's world, in God's universe, in God's way, in God's desires, then we should do it God's way. Now, I love this also because it's very personal to me. 
If you guys heard a little bit of my story, you know just how powerful people that welcomed me in and personally included me into their circle did to change my life. Let me give you a quick breakdown of what this looks like practically. If you're still not quite there yet, but let me show you some practical ways in which I have personally seen God move through this method. Okay, so to get you started here, uh, this is me and uh, a group of guys. This was uh, back in 2009. Um, this is a group of guys. You see me kind of off the side here. These guys were already together, knew each other. Um, they were already boys. They were friends. They were tight. They were close. Um, but they were willing to open up to allow me to come in. Now, I personally think it's because I had a bigger house and they could fit in my house. But <laughs> never, never, nevertheless, they did open me in and they, they welcomed me in into their circle. And this circle, we loved one another. We cared for one. We were devoted to God's word. We were holding each other accountable. We, we were breaking bread and having fun. And just to prove it, um, here and mainly, I'll, I'll explain why I want to show this photo. This is us, a small group of us just together and just having at it for since this is October, tis the season, right? So we're coming on it. Um, and uh, so you're wondering where I am. I'm right here. And uh, if you're, and I really just did this because uh, my wife's not here yet. Good. Um, this is her in a whoopee cushion. So just saying, I just wanted to show that picture just to do it. And uh, now that I'm in trouble, I'll move on. But anyway, so this group of people, we had a blast together. We loved one another. So much so that we were like, this is amazing. We have never been close to the Lord. Lives, our people in our own life are being changed we have never been as close to the Lord than we are through this model. We were getting together on Sundays, and we were breaking out and getting together in the smaller groups in the homes. And we loved it so much, but we hit this certain point where we went, if this is so amazing, we've got to find a way to get more people involved. Because we're around people who are lonely, and they don't have this. We've got to do whatever it takes to get people into these type of relationships with one another. So we were like, well, what do we do? So we said, okay, let's multiply. So let's take people that were growing up, being brought up into leaders within this small group that understand this DNA of devotion to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship of breaking bread, to having fun, yes, but devotion to prayer and God's word. We wanted, we wanted to create that culture for other people to personally include one at a time that we would just shoulder tap and say, hey, we have something awesome going on and we call it small group. Do you want to come? And so one at a time, each one of us did this. In fact, this was one of my groups um, that had gotten together. This is me and Stephanie and we just grabbed a, a, a bunch of different people. These were just people that were shoulder tapped and connected and this was us for a Christmas party and uh, this group started to know and follow Jesus. We were devoted to the teachings but with the same principle of say, listen, we are gonna do this. We're gonna be amazing and we did that for about a year and then we brought up leaders within it and we said, okay, let's continue to multiply. And so we continue to multiply and we have more groups getting together and more and more of these people are starting to come together and we're opening up and then these people broke out into new groups and within those groups, it broke into more groups. And so we're talking about a group of 10 that started to grow and multiply and this has actually started to be leaders within these areas. And then it all went all, all the way to the point where this group right here, we all got back together. Now you might look at that and go, that's amazing. So 10 people, it grew to that. No, no, no. This is a picture of the leaders of groups of 12. The co-leaders and leaders with them 
It was 144 people in less than five years that the group of 10 of us shoulder tapped, made, helped grow into leaders to shoulder tap and grow into leaders. That was years ago. And I could go name by name by person. There's over a thousand people now that have been shoulder tapped and invited into group since this took place about 12 years ago. So what I'm saying is that this is the way in which God can move. I have personally seen it and experienced it. The lives that were changed through that cannot be understated. But it's all about welcoming just one at a time. See, what you may need to know on this is that the way in which this took place is each one of these people actually began like this. Me and my mentor, me and Aaron. Well, let me explain. So the way we did the multiplying, we said, okay, small group's awesome. All right, it's awesome. All right, but we know that even in a group of 12 and the different social dynamics, like it, we need a leader to personally invest in one, just one. And so Aaron took me under his wing and said, uh, we're going to meet and I'm going to personally invest in you. And so for over a decade, we met weekly for lunch. And he would pour into me as we would dream of what God was doing and help me through things and I'd help him through things. And together we'd be like, okay, so when's the next group gonna be ready and what can we do next to help make sure that everyone that we meet, when they gather in the temple courts, that they have an upper room. That everyone has an opportunity for an upper room. That everyone has an opportunity to know what it feels like to be fully known and fully loved. Devoted to the apostles' teachings, breaking bread, prayer. Like, what would it look like for us to do that? And I started in each group, one at a time. And this isn't some magical formula. It's just trying to be a good church. The way that God wants us to be. And he blessed it. You see, there's a power that happens within that one-on-one personal inclusion of a relationship. There's something that happens that's pretty special within that space. In fact, we see that within James. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. See, throughout Scripture, there's too many to pick. The God says, listen, this is the one another. This is the each other. This is the one at a time. This is the way in which I've designed you to be. This is what I'm calling you to do. This is my desire for you to personally include just one at a time. And so uh, just to give you an example, and I could go on and on and on for days, but let me just give you a quick example of kind of what took place. This wasn't just a game of some sort. This wasn't just some, hey, we just like having friends over. It was a mission and on purpose, and one we knew we needed to include other people into. So if you're here today and you don't have a group, and you don't have that upper room circle, maybe you tried it in the past, it didn't work. My challenge to you today is to do it again. If you're a group leader and you're like, man, we've just been the same group for a really long time and we've never opened our doors to welcome new people in or to multiply the leaders within, my challenge to you would be multiply the groups. Make availability that every person in this place has an upper room where they can be known and loved. Because there is a difference that happens within that. In fact, the beauty of all of that is it isn't just people getting together and just growing personally. 
It's about the lives and the eternity that's being changed. Here's a photo of some examples of lives that were directly impacted by that movement. Megan and Brad, Mike and Michael, Sean, Brendan, Larissa. Each of these are people who were shoulder tapped because we were willing to personally include them into a circle. Each one of these people were leaders of groups and, and because of the way in which they were led and the way they were encouraged and the way they had accountability and the way they were loved, their just one, my just one, would, would choose to follow Jesus. Like over and over and over, we see that God uses this model to make an impact in lives. That he uses this to make a difference. This isn't some philosophy. It's reality. It's a challenge for us all to consider how can we personally include one another? And how can we do it together? See, I think that as we look in Hebrews as another quick example here. There's something that's taking place within our culture that we have to rage against. Hebrews 10:25. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The day of his return is drawing near. See, the, the challenge for us is simple as a church. It's that we are in a culture and day and age where people are saying, let's, let's skip getting together. Let's skip the meeting. Let's skip the personally including people into our circle. Let's, let's be done with that. Not, not in this day and age, not anymore. And for me, I just want to be able to look, for us to look at God's word, at his design and purpose that we are to do one at a time way of life personally including them into our circle. On our uh, website, you can go to Get Connected and look at small groups. And within that is a button, you can identify all the groups we have right now that are available for you. If you're currently not being loved on, fully known and fully loved, if you are not currently in a group, I challenge you today, hop on our website and click that you are interested in a group. Or you can talk with Virgil, who would be welcome to meet with you. Talk with our folks at the info desk. Find a way to get connected. Let's encourage one another to not get in this habit of not meeting. But let's meet all the more. Because you know what? When this was written, we are 2,000 years closer to the return of Jesus. Not further away. Let's meet all the more. Because the time is drawing near. And let's do it one at a time. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that uh, you showed in my life and my journey um, the power of being known and being loved. God, I, I knew what it felt like to be alone. And God, there's people in this room today that, God, I know, know that feeling. But God, I know there's people in this room right now that are wondering if you are even there. That they've cried out to you and they felt like it was just an emptiness. But God, I pray that right now you would move in their spirit to let them feel your presence and their desire for you would grow. That God, you would move in them right now. 
and that they would choose to follow you with everything that they are. Everything that they are, that they would let go. They would die to their old way and cling to you. Becoming the man and woman of God that you've called them to be. And God, for the Christians in the room, Lord, would you break our hearts for what breaks yours? Would you open our hearts to want to personally include people into our circles, into our lives? Would you help us become a people who meet together in the temple courts like we are here today in in this big gathering, but that we may also be a people who meet with one another in our homes, faithfully chasing after your teaching, praying to you, holding each other accountable, breaking bread, and making a difference one at a time. We love you, Lord, and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.